0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Your voice needs a little bit of help, so I've got something nice, a nice herbal tea back in there, just keeping my, uh, my cords nice and lubricated. It is a privilege um, to be sharing with you this morning. And uh, never, nobody ever steps on the Arena Church platform, takes it lightly that what we're doing is just bringing words of life into your life. No matter if you've been a Christian five minutes or, or 50, 60 years, it doesn't matter. Word of God brings life every time. And it's a great series called Here Comes the Sun. Now, I don't know if you know not the, the inspiration of the, the title it comes from that Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun, written by George Harrison, uh, run right about 1969, so definitely before I was born. Um, because the the mood of that song itself is, is really... And you know what it's like? You, you know, Most of you guys live in Derbyshire. So you're used to grey clouds and rain, but one, that, that moment when you're walking over the ridge of a hill, Vicky's just been to Scotland, she would have seen this, been grey clouds, and then what happens when the sun comes out? What happens to that vista? What happens to your perception of what you see around you when the sun comes out? And this morning, I, I'm going to just take that, that mood that things can get dark in our lives sometimes, but when we apply the sun, S-O-N, to our lives, then it gives us a whole new perspective, a dramatically different perspective, particularly in some topics and areas of our life that we're all affected by. It's good to remember, take those moments. Here comes the sun. And of course, in life, and I'm not taking the meeting on a downer now, but in life, one of the most darkest moments we ever come across is death, isn't it? In all of our lives, every single one of us in this room at some point has been touched by death. And it's one of life's great certainties, but it still mystifies me how, particularly the Brits, are not very good about talking about it. It's almost a taboo subject that we don't really like to get involved in too much. And that seems odd to me, but you know what I mean? In life, there's no, nowhere quite as dark as those moments of death where it was a loved one, where it's somebody you've known for years, a family member. But yet, in that moment, we can still say as Christians, here comes the sun. And it brings a completely different perspective. Now, this morning, I thought about this in preparation for the message. I so thought, how do I go about this, talking about this message, A, without taking it down, because that's not where I live. Seriously, guys. And I don't know everyone processes death in a different way. For me, though, as a Christian, death in itself is not the end. It's just a pause. Yes, it is a separation, but what's following? What comes next? Here comes the sun. For me, that's how I live my life. And I've lost some significant people in my life, people I love and I still miss daily, but yet my life is not going to go down in that respect. It's going to go, here comes the sun. How can I apply Jesus even in that darkest of situation? And as Dave said, we're talking about things Jesus said about Himself. So here comes the Son, and Jesus said, in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. You cannot talk about resurrection without first talking about death. The two go together. The two go hand in hand. And I've just put the references up there if you're making notes. If you want to read during the week um, two particular very strong chapters, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, and Romans 6, they're really strong, theologically deep chapters. I have not know if you've ever been there. Uh, but it is, they're good. They're full of meat and stuff you can just ponder on. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that that verse is taken from John 11. And of course, that's the story of Lazarus. I mentioned Mary and Martha earlier. They had a brother. His name was Lazarus. And he, he also was a dear friend of Jesus. And in that account in John 11, we hear that Lazarus is sick. We know he's a friend because they say to Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. But then Jesus does something strange. He delays his trip to Bethany, to see his friend. And I, I look at life, I look at my life and my family, sometimes when we're in need and we pray, Jesus, help me, there seems to be a delay. Have you ever experienced that? I certainly have. Um, those of you who have met my wife, Louise, she actually has a, a chronic illness. Some of you wouldn't even know it because she just gets on with life and gets on with it. And over the 21 years she's had it, We've prayed for healing many, many times, yet she still has it. She still needs drugs every day just to keep the symptoms at bay. She does a fantastic job. I actually say Louise works harder than I do because she spends all of her energy every single day. I can finish a a busy day's work and still have energy to to do whatever I need to do, but Louise gives it all. It's the, the scenario I'm saying is we keep asking for healing for Lou. But Jesus said in this chapter, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So those things you're praying for, those things you're waiting on, those things you've asked Jesus for, and there seems to be a hesitation on Jesus' part, actually, he's saying, well, maybe I can be glorified in this situation. And I would say, uh, without hesitation, with with my wife, God is glorified in her life. What she does, maybe you saw weekly news this week talking about the new community shop at Mansfield. Louise had just pulled all the stops out to do that. God is being glorified in that situation. And by the time Jesus reaches Bethany, of course, Lazarus is dead. He's not just dead, he's proper dead. And I'll tell you why. In Jewish tradition, they believe that the, the, a man's spirit hovered over him for, for two or three days after he, he breathed his last. But Jesus took four days to get back to Bethany. So Lazarus was proper dead. We know that because Martha objected when Jesus said, open the tomb. Why? Because we know it stinks, and death stinks. It really does. Those of you who have been touched by death, but not just physical death, those things in our life that actually don't do us any good, those things in our life that we don't grow in Christ. The Bible says they are death. They bring death. Sin and death are together throughout the Bible. When we see sin mentioned, particularly in the New Testament, Paul mentioned death as well because death stinks death brings a shadow one of the most famous verses in the bible psalm 23 verse 4 even I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil but just wait a minute here comes the sun it's the shadow of death it's not going to affect you when you're in the sun yes we might have to pass from this physical presence to a glorious spiritual presence with Jesus but it holds no fear for us because here comes the son death brings sadness my my dad passed away about 13 years ago and it was a very sad moment for all of the family he was a great guy he was a pastor uh, a lot of what you see today is credit to my dad and of course every time I think of my dad there is sadness because he's no longer here I can't talk to him anymore I can't seek his advice on things I can actually sometimes hear his voice in, in my thoughts because I go, what would dad have thought about that? And I can hear almost well, my dad saying it. And okay, of course, I still dream about him. You know. So dad and what he taught me is still very much with me. But of course, he's in a far better place. No tears, no sadness, no suffering. But death on earth brings sadness because death brings separation. Isaiah 53, of verse 8, says of Jesus, he was cut off from the land of of the living. And that's what it is when a loved one, when someone you know dies. But think about your life. Think about the things you do. Think about the habits you have. And they stink. Uh, a short while ago, we had a, uh, a few rats around our backyard. So one of our neighbors put poison out. And uh, we knew the rat had ate it because a few days later, all we could smell was dead rats. We couldn't find it, we couldn't see we couldn't locate it in our neighbors' yard, but we knew it was there because. Death stinks. And as Christians, as we grow, as we take each step down that path with Jesus, we know that these things happen. And the Bible is encouraging us all the time, put it to death, kill it off, because it's not doing any good. So death is not just physical. Death is also the things we do, our attitudes that don't actually always bring life. But also, we hear from Martha, with death, you need to blame someone. Someone always gets the blame for what's going wrong. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you were here, now there's a complaint and promise in the same sentences here because he believes in Jesus. If you were here, he would not have died. How many times have we come on? I'm not going to ask for hands, but I'll put mine up. How many times have we complained at Jesus? Going, look, if you'd have stepped in, Jesus, that would never have happened. But Jesus says, He's not sick to death, unto death. He's sick unto the glory of God. Let's see what happens next. And I know I've blamed God for many situations in my life. But actually, when you stop and go, actually, Lord, you're in control. Even in bereavement, God is still in control. As painful as it is in that moment, what we can trust and believe that Jesus has the words of eternal life. That's what Martha said to him. You are the Christ, I believe in you. And here comes the sun. Into that dark situation of Lazarus being dead and probably stinking in the tomb, here comes the sun. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, will live. And whoever lives in me will never die. That's a paradox, isn't it? That's a a sentence with two meanings there. But let's have a look at that, see what he says. Because the Bible says, without the resurrection, we are of men the most pitiable. If there's no resurrection, Paul actually says, just Christ alone is not enough. Without the resurrection, Jesus was only a good man. But with the resurrection, he proved he was God and man at the same time, because Jesus had power over death. But now Christ has risen to dead, Paul says. And he's become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep, which is King James' language. In the message, um, it says, first in a long line of people who are going to be resurrected. Wow. Jesus is the first in a long line. In Philippians 3 verse 10, Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Remember? Before there's resurrection, there's got to be a death. And whatever's going on in your life right now, if you want to just press on into God, there are some things that are going to have to die. Absolutely. And you know what they are. I'm not going to ask you to write a list, but already you know what these things are. And Paul says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection, from the dead. Paul recognized the greatest apostle that ever lived, recognized in his own life there were things that would only bring death if he allowed them to have their way. But instead he said, now I'm going to nail them to the cross, I'm going to bury them in the grave, and then experience that resurrection life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And here comes, not just the son, here comes, get this, the destroyer of death. Jesus came, Hebrews 2.14. He came that through death, his own death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus came. Jesus' sole purpose was to destroy death. Is it time to open the tomb this morning? Jesus said to Martha, get them to open the tomb. Open that tomb up and let's see what's happened. You see, Martha said, but, but He stinks. He's been in there. He's, he's going to be rotten by now. But Jesus said, "We'll open that tomb up. Because Jesus was about to set a new standard. 1 John 3 verse 8 said, For this purpose Christ was revealed. To do what? To destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus was setting a new standard. If you know your Bible, you know from the, uh, the story of the Israelites in Egypt, what was the last plague that came upon Egypt? It was death, wasn't it? And the the Israelites were saved by having the blood of the lamb around the lintels of the door. And right back in Genesis, God's promise was that the devil would strike the heel, but Jesus would crush his head. You see, in in biblical terms, the head uh, is the source of everything. God is our head. From him, everything flows. And the source of the devil, his head, is death. Because he wants to separate us eternally from that loving Father. He wants to wreak such havoc in our lives that we don't experience life, we experience death. Get this? I heard this said. I don't like it. I'm gonna turn it to you. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to bring the dead to life. So say that again. He didn't bring to make bad people come to make bad people good. He came to bring the dead to life. That's entirely what the Christian life is about. We come from being dead in our sin. We die. When We say, Jesus, I just can't do it myself. I need you in my life. And the Bible says we are resurrected with him. He came to bring the dead to life. Not just to make me good. It's not just about Ten Commandments. It's about that relationship living with Jesus. Jesus at this moment opened that tomb. He was signaling that you need to get this in your heart his mastery over death. Elijah had done it. Elisha had done it. People had been risen, rose from the dead before. But Jesus was about to set a new standard. Yes, we know what happened to Lazarus. We also know, we've read the end of the story. We know what happened to Jesus. Not only did he raise others, he raised himself. He was the master of death. Not on the devil, Jesus. Had that mastery over death. Though he die, yet shall he live. As we've already said, there's no no resurrection without death. The Bible tells us to kill the old man. Put to death the old self, it says. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's in Romans chapter 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You and I are no longer slaves of sin. When we come to Jesus, we're no longer slaves. Will we get things wrong? Yes, we will. But are we slaves to sin? No, we're not. Why? Because we make ourselves a slave to God. We make ourselves a slave to the Holy Spirit, of course, in not death, but in resurrection. Jesus himself said, unless a seed dies, what happens when a seed dies? We've got gardeners in the room. The seed itself, we call it germination, but the seed goes to the ground. Then it is transformed into something completely different. Does that apple tree look anything like an apple seed? It certainly doesn't. Do those flowers in your garden look anything like those tiny seeds you plant? I've got some foxgloves growing in my garden. I've got some sunflowers. The sunflower seed was that big. The sunflowers in my garden are now round about 15 foot tall. They're massive. They're huge. They look completely different. Why? Because it went into the soil. And through that process of germination, Jesus said the seed goes in the soil, it dies. It's transformed. And that's what you and I are today. When we die with Christ, we are transformed into something completely different. He, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus also said, and he who lives in me will never die. The other half of the paradox. Jesus talking to Nicodemus said, you must be born again. You must have that rebirth through the spirit. Not just your, Nicodemus, of course, he didn't quite get it. Can I really go back into my mum's womb? But Jesus said, no, you must be born again of the spirit. And John 3, 16, that most famous of verses, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that what, that whoever perishes, whoever dies, shall have eternal life. I believe as a Christian, eternal life doesn't start the day you breathe your last. If you're a Christian in this room, your eternal life has already started. Were you aware of that? Did you know that the moment you said, Jesus, I trust in you, come into my life, eternal life starts at that moment and death the bible says is merely a veil death is just a curtain we pass through into the eternal presence of god now i love my family i love my kids i love love my friends i love what i do here but i'll tell you what it's nothing in comparison that i'm gonna get when i'm standing in front of god's throne worship him not just on a sunday but endlessly worshiping god and how many of us don't want that seriously What a place that Jesus is preparing for me. He promised, didn't he? I'm going to prepare a place for you. God created the world in six days. Jesus has been preparing heaven for 2,000 years. How fantastic is that going to look when we finally get there? He who lives in me will never die. That we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, Peter said. In the book of Matthew, we see man doesn't live. What? By bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then Jesus, just to prove his point Lazarus, come forth. Wow. What a shock. I'm sure the crowd, because Jesus was there, they were expecting. Imagine being an undertaker. In Jesus' day, you must have had a right job keeping business. You think if someone's, you'd be looking at you know, your, your funeral plans, okay, so and so has died, uh, I'll give them a, you know, a price for the funeral. Where's Jesus today? <laughs> Maybe you could do a two-for-one deal. You know, here's a price of the funeral, but if Jesus passes by, I'll, I'll hold the cost for the next funeral. Is that all right? Lazarus come forth, and what a surprise there would have been on those people. But nobody quite as surprised as Lazarus, of course. Because suddenly, he finds himself. We don't know at what point he, he sprang back to life. But suddenly, he hears a voice. Imagine what Lazarus is doing for those four days. He's talking to Moses. He's talking to Elijah. He's talking to the prophets. And they were all talking about the wonderful works of God. And Lazarus is going, yeah, but I, I knew him. He was a friend of mine. He came to my house for tea. Lazarus, in fact, I can hear him calling me right now. Lazarus, come forth. What a command. That Jesus has the words over death. And Lazarus came out. So what's it all about? Jesus has yet another command. So he's gone to Bethany. Lazarus is proper dead. He opens a tomb. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives in me will never die. And then Lazarus, come forth. Then there's a great phrase in John 11:44, 44. And I'm going to paraphrase the English language. Well, Go on then, unwrap him. Just think about that for a minute. Jesus had to tell them to take the death bandages off yeah. Lazarus. Because he might have waddled out of the tomb, but he couldn't, his face was covered in the death mask. Jesus said, go on, then unwrap him. Why? Because you might think, well, actually, we've gone from from death to life. But actually, this tomb is quite comfortable. I'm away from the heat of the sun. I'm not getting wet from the rain. But no, there's more to it than that, isn't there? When Jesus calls us to come forth, it is to a life to be lived. Lazarus came forth unwrap him take the bandages off let him live again and you might be thinking this morning right well my andy my past it stinks i know it does there's some stuff in my in my history that you don't want to hear about and maybe you're right but god already knows and when you come to the foot of the cross all of that is forgiven all of that is wiped away all of that is washed away the bible says by the blood of jesus It's gone. You're free. It's behind you. It stays in the tomb, but you don't. Did you get that in your spirit this morning? That stuff stays in the tomb, but you don't. You come out of the tomb, and you take those death bandages off. Go on, then unwrap him. The Bible says in Romans 6, verse 6, we walk, 6, verse 4, we walk in what? In the newness of life. Those sunflowers are mine. They're, they're growing really tall. They've got beautiful heads on, yellow. The bees are all over them, which is fantastic, which is why I've grown them. And then I'll have some seeds in the autumn. I'll put them in the in a nice paper bag in the shed over, over winter. And guess what I'm going to do next, next year? I'm going to plant them again. I'm going to have a new crop of sunflowers. And once again, that seed, get it? In the soil, germinates, transforms. That caterpillar that eats your cabbages that you've got nicely planned. What's gonna happen? It's gonna have a complete transformation, metamorphosis. It changes from one state into another. Same as you and I. When we come to know Jesus, we change from one state to another. Paul says, From glory into glory. You're a new self, you have a new nature. Oh boy, do we need a new nature? I know my old nature. And none of you want to see my old nature. Occasionally at services, but living that life in resurrection with Jesus, hopefully, most of the time, I kill it off again, because those weeds still keep growing, and I have to still keep cutting back, cutting back, and let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit have his way. I am a new creation, the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things Not some things. All things have become new. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, though you die, yet shall you live. And he who lives in me will never die. Let's pray. Let's just bow our heads. I don't want you to paint your sins on the wall this morning for me to read. God already knows. I don't need to see the videotape of your life. God only really knows. Do you know what God does with that videotape? When you come to the cross, he tosses it into the sea, the Bible says, of forgetfulness. He remembers your sins no more. So right now, Father, we just pray over this word. Lord, we pray over your word, your words of eternal life. You are the resurrection and life. We believe in you. We commit ourselves completely and utterly to you. And we ask right now, right now, that you'll help us put to death those things that do not engender life, those things that do not create life in us. We pray right now. And I pray for every brother and sister in this room and everyone who listens to the podcast at a later time might just know that they can bury their past with you and step out of the tomb leaving the past behind into a glorious, glorious new day. And we ask this in your name, because you are the resurrection of life. We believe in you. in the power of a death and hell itself for your death. Holy Spirit, help us today and this week and this year to live in resurrection life. In your name we pray. Amen.